Are you ready to go? Hello everyone and welcome to Akashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Ray and with me is Dawn and we are huge fans of anime. But we're lapsed fans. <laughs> Uh, there's nothing better than the prodigal son returning home. Returning to anime has given me a better appreciation for anime, I would say. Uh, I think I had burnt out a lot on it, but if you're like us and you don't know what to watch, like, just listen to the show, go back through the episodes we covered. Beastars, Sarazanmai, Eizouken, I mean, keep your hands off the Eizouken. We covered a bunch of popular and very, very niche films. That, that's one way to phrase it. Um, so, but yeah, I, it, it's exciting. I, I am impressed with our body of work so far, though. I, it's been a, it's been a really fun journey. I'm really glad we're I'm really glad that we're working on this the the paranoia agent. I, I do like the English translation a lot, and I felt. Not to dive in, I, I do want to know what you've been doing since we last chatted, but uh, not to dive in too deeply. Uh, but I I loved this particular episode uh, of this show. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, what spoke to you specifically about it? Because this episode is about sort of like a, a boy who sort of sees himself as alpha male of his school. Like he is top of his class. He's a sports guy. Every all the neighbors love him. Like I mean, instantly, he's you, on top you of identified with him, right, right, Bree? <laughs> I mean, so I was an outcast. I was shy. I would identify more with Sukiko than I would with this guy. Well, but it was clear that he was not. He may have been a golden child from the perspective of he. Uh, I get that golden child because he had the same golden skates as our. You're, you're jumping like, ahead. You're jumping ahead. As as our bat boy. I, I was just going to say, no, you know, he's he's clearly got a mean streak in him. He yes, he loves this attention, yeah. but he's also a narcissist. He craves and desires this attention. Is that what spoke to it, you about it? <laughs> yeah, and he clearly can't handle the lack of that attention. And this whole plotline seems almost. Um, unconnected to our previous story if it were not for the central character who never who rarely shows up which is Lil Slugger um yeah you know everything is going great in um Ichi. in Ichi's world except when he finds out uh, or when he is compared to Lil Slugger and people are like well this description fits uh Ichi really well and then all of a sudden we don't know how or where the rumor started and we don't know who's writing these notes that show up in Ichi's locker but um, there are all these things that start accusing Ichi of being Little Slugger and it seems pretty clear that Ichi is not Little Slugger and therefore he is being um, maligned by by this stuff and yet um, it's hard to be sympathetic to him because he's so nasty and unpleasant. Well he... One way to interpret some of it, I mean, he does not seem like the nicest kid. A lot of his natural gifts 
have sort of given him a high perception of himself. I get that. But I also see him as a bit of a tragic figure in that he has wrapped up his entire, his entire self-worth is wrapped up in his image that he projects to these other people. And really for no reason, nothing that he did specifically, uh, he becomes the target of bullying and he finds that this image is suddenly completely shattered. And who is, like, if I'm this kid, I'm like, who am I if I'm not, like, the kid with the number one robot, the kid who everyone turns to, uh, the kid who has the most popular birthday party? Like, did you see this kid's birthday party? This kid had, like, but he didn't have lobster, thermidor. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that birthday party happened in his mind. The people who showed up were, like, his tutor and his mom. That's heartbreaking. Right. Right, but he had the whole spread as if that, like, fantasy version had happened. But, you know, like, that's the thing that that gets me, like, he was that person. And he really had never done anything to sort of, you know, take himself out of that position, right? Like, he he was the golden kid and all the girls were screaming Ichi at the top of their lungs. And if it wasn't for this rumor about... um, a uh, little slugger, he'd still be in that position, and there'd be nobody challenging him for, you know, being top dog. He'd he'd still be the alpha among alphas, right? And he also seems like he's on a track. Like, if he keeps going where he's going, he's going to be class president. He's going to go to a good like um, I don't know if he, I think he's an elementary school student, maybe middle school, but he's going to go to a good middle school, go to a good high school, go to a good college, like. He's going to be a politician. This kid is a politician waiting oh, yeah. to happen, I mean, right? I mean, to be honest, in our trying times nowadays, I found this almost uncomfortable to watch because here is someone who is entitled to getting everything that he always gets. And then at the slightest provocation, his solution is to try and cut the legs out of his opponent. It's not, you know, he is not. Yes. And this is precisely the kind of weird, selfish impulse that appears to be driving a lot in politics. I mean, it was uncomfortable to me to think about the parallels to today's, um, to the world we live in today. Yeah, I thought about that too. Um, and and the problem is that there is a sort of, like, there is sort of like a solution presented to him. There's like a path to being a better person. His opponent turns out to be this lovable marshmallow <laughs> named Ushi. And he, like, opens up to Ichi in a way that's like, like, naked and beautiful he reaches out to him and and tries to commiserate with him because he was a target of bullying at his previous school and he actually came to this new school in hopes of escaping that past and unfortunately he reaches out to the wrong kid because the kid just doesn't want anything to do with it because every time it has the opposite effect instead of making him feel like he could have a friend. He could have someone who understands how he feels, who's empathetic to his suffering. Instead, he sees it as he's just being taken down. A right. He doesn't he's want just being... to be compared to this kid. Like to him, it's, a, it's right. a terrible insult to think that he would be in a position to be groveling or, you know, it's, he's, he's insulted by this commiseration. Exactly. Um, it's just they create like 
through the anime, they create such beautiful ugliness in this kid through like iconic sort of like ticks and things like he has this thing that he does every time where he smiles and there's a little glint at the corner of his mouth and uh it's his trademark smile and as this as the episode goes on we find out that um he sort of he sort of wills shonen bat into the scene like whether or not he actually wills him like the he's like trying to find a solution to get out of this like yeah, this this solution would solve all my problems if if um little slugger would show up now not only would it remove this obstacle to my being class president but also i could be the hero who takes down little slugger and i would immediately restore myself to the number one position that i i apparently can't live without it's hard to say whether like it can't just be coincidence that little slugger shows up at that exact moment. Right. No. It, it, well, that's the thing that, that gets me with this point. I'm like, because as he's sitting there fantasizing about little slugger showing up and beating the crap out of his opponent, I'm thinking, Ichi, this is the last thing you want to have happen. And then of course he's, he's, he's standing right? there. And then the, the, the very thing that he, that he wishes for happens. And then he tries to go and chase down little slugger and Little Slugger vanishes into the distance. And then, of course, the exact thing that that he would, that, you know, he is the one who is then much more closely associated with Little Slugger because who else could it be? Like, he's the one who people accuse of being Little Slugger. In fact, right. I don't even I know mean, what happens is... after this. Like, I would, you would book him. Like, the other kid was wounded, hurt really badly. And there's nobody else but Ichi there to blame. He has several hopes dashed for clearing his name including uh scaring ushi which someone like photographs him doing it and then ushi uses that to try and like make people stop bullying him but it has the opposite effect the way this episode is written like is just amazing because ishi bullies Ushi, or is it you? And it's videotaped. And then whoever it is first sends the text to Ishi in the classroom. And he gets it and he's like, What the hell is this? He recognizes right off the bat, this does not make him look good. And then it gets sent to everybody else yeah. in the class. It totally disrupts the class. Everybody sees it. Everybody's gasping. And then the person who rises to his defense is his nemesis. And I honestly was like, Gosh, yes. was it Ushi? Like, Playing it off like you're the one defending him makes him seem like such an odd, like the worst position to put a narcissist like that in. Like you have to throw yourself on sympathy of the yes. person that you hate the most. Like what a what an absolute disaster. I thought I want to get your thoughts on this because I thought that like it was strange how quickly the student body turned on him, which meant one of two things to me. It meant either Ichi's self-perception was different than the perception that he had and that he was slightly deluded uh, and believed sort of a story about himself that he told himself, but not what actually in reality was true. Or 
people were just looking for an excuse to take oh, down yeah. like the biggest I mean, animal in the in the zoo. This is like, where the paranoia part of paranoia agent made so much sense to me in this particular episode. Like he is paranoid. Like he he is hearing people saying things and then it's twisted around and their faces get all morphed and you know they're like leering at him and he feel you know it's clearly an attack on his psyche whether or not it's yeah. an actual attack um or a self-inflicted one yes uh and and i actually the most to me the 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 most impactful scene in this entire episode was when after the attack ichi is at home it's the morning after and what we see is ichi hitting a home run and the girl's calling his name um and you know he's restored to their good graces but then it turns out this was a videotape somebody made yeah. of him and he's watching it really nice he's moment. like whispering like oh you know, they love me and then his mom is like knocking at the door like you've got to go to school um and it, you know clearly like he he knows like God, this is awful. They're all going to think that I did it. Um, and from our perspective, he didn't do it. So this is, you know, the worst of all possible worlds. And like, I really felt for him in that instant. Like that, that was the in moment he wanted to live in. And it was collapsing around him. Yes. I, but you aren't answering exactly what I'm asking. Oh, I, I wasn't then... answering anything. I'm just talking about my favorite scene. Go on, ask it. No, that is a great scene. And what I'm sort of getting at is that I think people were resentful of him underneath the surface. Like he was at the top of the, of his game. Right. And everybody saw him as something uncorruptible. And like, it's like that it's like something that can uh, sit at the top and, and everyone knows their place when it's there. And as soon as it shows a, even the slightest bit of weakness or vulnerability, they just take it down immediately. Like, yep. he goes from the top to the very yep. bottom. The, he, it's a very unstable order, and he gets absolutely gobsmacked. And I mean, and that's quite likely, you know, if he is playing himself off as the alpha among alphas, like when you hear that from the outside, you're like, God, that's, that's awful. Like, why would you want a hierarchy like that in the first place? Um, so it's very, and I'm, I'm now thinking, do we ever actually see all these, you know, he, in beginning when he is explaining who he is, he explains that he's the alpha among alphas and that people are, um, always talking about how good he is, etc. But do we actually ever see that happening? Cause we, when he first goes to school the first time, we see that they're not right They're they're kind of giving him the cold shoulder. And then he's like, oh, well, it's this note. I've been unfairly accused. But it may be that this whole thing is just made up. And though, you know, the one time we do see it. I don't think it's made up, but I think that we are in his head. Yeah, we're absolutely and in his head. I, I do not know whether they think the same thing of him as he thinks they think of him. I know that sounds convoluted, but. His perception um, of reality is not necessarily reality. I think so. But I think that's the case in a lot of ways, like with anything like, uh, 
you know, a goody two shoes or the person who gets all the right answers in school probably thinks pretty highly of themselves as far as their intelligence and stuff goes. But it doesn't necessarily equate into the love of their classmates because you know what? It makes them look bad. Look at Ichi's robot versus everybody else's science things. Like his robot number one, one number one, and everyone like said how awesome it was. Well, but that's just like the surface. That's just the but surface. It was awesome, that's what they're saying right? on the You look at it, and it was pretty awesome. Yes, but it made everyone else look bad. I mean, and there's and so many ways so, we can go down the rabbit hole there, right? Like, it's the kind of thing where his mom helped him with it, his tutor helped him with it. So, like, of course he came in and it was freaking awesome as opposed to, you know, just every other kid just, like, working on it themselves. You know, what made it so awesome? Was he really awesome in making it? And, like, if he was really awesome in making it and really awesome at sports then like, you know, those kinds of people sort of, they get the begrudging respect even when they're not the nicest people. Um, But then people don't abandon them in droves. Uh, Well, they do when they think they're assaulters, but, you know, but they're not so, generally you find people defending those in those roles. Um, Not necessarily what happened here. I also like um, the stylish flourishes that happen once he sort of cracks after he's become a recluse, uh, his vision becomes warped and he sort of ends up in an impressionistic sort of painting of people uh, accusing him of being the shonen bat and of hurting others. It's just a very like, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a warped sort of view of the world. As you said, it sort of represents the paranoia that's happening around him and uh, it, it's earlier in the episode, which you were talking about, but at the end, he sort of falls fully into it. And it's not until the shonen bat comes at the very last bit and probably frees him of these delusions. That, well, that's interesting. Do, what does it free him of? It only makes things worse. In fact, we don't know. We don't know what happens after that because it, it, it appears and it looks like he's about to get hit and he's happy about it. He's happy to take the blow. I mean, I I am very, like, I was, it was all I could do not to watch the next episode um, because of how bonkers <laughs> I thought this whole thing was. And I, yeah. I think we cannot, you know, I don't know if you feel like we're coming to the end here, but I feel we cannot um, go on without speaking briefly about um, Sukiko again, because hmm, go ahead. she, there is a point at which, she again is talking to Maromi because there's, you know, the, the assault here is once again blamed on, it's so funny, you know, it's a little slugger and then you mentioned it was Shonen Bat and now for some reason I'm thinking it's Shonen Bat every time. Um, the little slugger gets on the news and she's like, I, I feel like I should know this um, little slugger. And Maromi's like, you're thinking too hard. Don't think about it. Stop thinking about it. And as uh, little alarm bells are going off in my head, like, well, if that little creature is telling you not to think about it, you should darn well think about it. There's something is off. Right. Right. Why, why is this creature telling her this? Why is it stopping her from probing further? Something is not right. Something is uh, a foul in the state of Denmark. Well, if that's all you got, I don't have much else except I do want to talk about his tutor. 
Oh, yeah, the tutor. Because that's a weird scene. I mean, I always... He calls her his oasis. Yep. And he plays the victim when he's with her. But in sort of that way that kids try to be more mature than they are in front of adults. And this is, this is a character that we're going to see more of in episode three. Um, we're going to like, Oh, you, the connections are going to continue. I mean, I have to say this is just gets more interesting. What did, what did you think about her? Like she's voiced by, by the way, by Mitsuishi Kotono, who is the voice actress of Katsuragi Misato in Evangelion. So a very, very recognizable actress playing her. Um, She's very pretty. And he (laughs) says, he says in voiceover that he doesn't need a tutor. Yeah, it's true. So I always find those sorts of relationships to be a little odd. Um, but I was, the whole thing was a little weird. Like he wanted to tell her about the problem, but he absolutely refused that she get involved. Yes. And he, he clearly wanted, like, it's not a romantic connection, although sometimes that sort of stuff happens. But Do you think it's a status connection? That he's just sort of, it's part of the story he tells himself. Like, I have a tutor. She's very pretty and very educated. And you, uh, like I said, his spread at his birthday party was insane. It, it had champagne, I think. <laughs> I think you're just jealous. Oh, am I jealous of this fictional uh, middle schooler? Yes, perhaps. I think you're jealous of his spread. You keep bringing up Listen, the lobster. I'm going to send party, you a lobster. I had foie gras. You have right? what? So, I had foie gras at my New Year's party. Oh, well, we are something, aren't we? Ethical, ethical foie gras. Not the kind that... What like, is ethical the... foie gras? Um, it's the one that's not illegal. <laughs> so, it's not the stuff that was... It's not force-fed ducks to get fatty liver in them. Good yeah, the goose is the one that I really like. Um, I had that in Japan, strangely enough. Um, and I loved it. But when I found out how it was made, I was kind of repulsed. Like they put a hot steel pipe down their throat yep. and forced. I don't think it's hot. Fat. It's like room temperature. Is it? I pretty sure it burns. Let's let's but... not, why why would you bother burning your your creature before you at any rate, this is not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> Exten- extensive monkey torture. <laughs> Um, there was a, there was a skit on um, a series called The State, and it was called Monkey Torture, and it was this interview with this like scientist guy, and the scientist guy was talking about how he experiments on monkeys, and the person is like, and how do the monkeys feel about that? And he's like, oh, they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> because he calls it extensive monkey torture. Instead of saying it's like an experiment or he's, you know, trying out, doing trial, test trials on them. He just calls it extensive monkey torture, which is basically what he's doing. Anyway, that's, that's <laughs> I've gone off the rails I a bit. very much like this episode. This, this episode to me, um, the first episode I was like, oh, you know, let's see how this goes. But the second episode has solidified me that I, I'm very much liking where we're going with this. 
Well, we will be checking in with individual character stories throughout the series. So nobody's story is over after their one episode is done. We'll still see like little bits and pieces, especially with the sort of like thread of the detectives trying to get to the bottom yeah. of this uh, of this mugger case. We're doing one episode per show of Paranoia Agent because they're sort of disconnected at this point. Um, and I think it'll be... F- a nice for the audience to sort of get a, a quicker like shot of Okashina podcast and move on. And uh, hopefully, you know, it'll lend itself to you guys watching one episode per week and joining us that way. Um, we're very excited to join you again next week. So please come back for more. Uh, the Twitter is Okashina podcast. That's O K A S H I N A podcast at twitter.com <laughs> as opposed to uh at parlay.com oh my goodness we can't even go to parlor is it parlay it's, it is, is it was french it was parlay yeah it should not have oh parlay. my god everyone calls it parlor. Uh, and no one's gonna be calling it anything no no one's gonna be calling it anything uh gosh we just can't avoid the real world can we uh, i mean that one was too good too good to be true it's almost like that's a theme of the series we're covering, too. <laughs> People trying to get away from something or avoid something or have the boy with, like, skates go and crack their head. I'm, I've, from looking at my Twitter timeline... I would say there are some people wishing that someone would come and crack them in the skull right about now. And as we say at the end of every episode... Watch another episode. <laughs> that's so not what we say. No, that's not it. Okay. Okashkui koyo. Oh, <laughs> you did it without me. Okashkui koyo. This is working for me. Honestly, <laughs> this is working. <laughs>